Paratopia, welcome to yet another exciting road trip special. For the next, oh, 50 minutes or so, you are going to be inundated with road trip quality audio and comedy, and you will learn nothing. Well, next to nothing. Maybe you'll learn something, but next to nothing. So, if you're one of those listeners who can't stand the comedy, you're going to want to skip the first 50 minutes of this. If you're homophobic, you're probably going to want to skip the first 15 minutes of this. And this is actually an unofficial crossover episode with the Popcast Initiative, which can be found on iTunes or at uh, banalofamerica.com. That would be the Popcast Initiative Episode 8, which will be coming later on this weekend, uh, where I will in fact tell the story that we pinky swear not to tell during one of the conversations in this road trip uh, about my trip to friendlies. That's all I'll say. Um, so that is to say with the podcast initiative, you'll be hearing different stories than what you've gotten here. It won't be a complete retread. And of course, Tim Banal, who is in Exeter, um, for the Exeter UFO conference, emceeing it, uh, is the co-host of the podcast. So he'll have his own take and his own version of events. The most central of which was not recorded. That's right. Uh, Friday night, when we got there, um, we being my friend John Flynn, uh, Jody Heckman, a.k.a. Mudhog from the message board, and his son, Evan. Um, when we got there, we eventually met up with Tim Banal on a patio of the hotel, and he was with Jason Baruti, another Evan, both of whom are listeners to our shows, uh, and a couple of Jason's friends. And I had burned my eyes so badly from the swimming pool and the whirlpool that I could barely open my eyes. So just imagine, and I had pretty much gone to bed. So just imagine, you know, you're just meeting me for the first time <laughs> and I'm just sitting there like in my jammies out on a patio with my eyes watering in red, like unable to open them, just sitting there like Buddha trying, trying not to feel pain while Tim Banal is, I don't know, either drunk or antsy uh, because, you know, he's about to host this thing and basically out of his mind, and John Flynn, who decides to turn this into his opportunity to fake hit on Tim Banal uh, for everyone's amusement. So that was the situation. It was one of those classic moments that you just had to be there. And for most people that were there, I think the comedy that ensued made up for whatever education did not ensue during the conference. Without further ado, here is The Road Trip. Ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen, gentlemen. It's time for another road trip show. That's right. This time going to Exeter, New Hampshire for the Exeter UFO Festival. I've shaved my facial hair into a fine douchebag sculpture. My hair is properly matted. I'm not wearing a logo t-shirt with aliens on it, so I'm not a complete dork, but I'm getting there. Give me time. I'm here with co-conspirator number one. You may remember him from the ex-conference road trip of last. John Flynn. Hey. <laughs> so, John, what are we? Uh, what are you looking for in this conference that you didn't get in the last? Well, there's very little I didn't get in the last conference. Um, I'm just looking to see. Uh, this will be my second conference. So I'm just sort of uh, excited to see what other uh, flavors of crazy we might encounter, and um, just uh, 
I don't know, having something else to, to compare the first one with. I was curious as to what you were, like, what you, going into this, if you had any sort of thoughts or hopes or dreams. Dress your pet up like an alien contest. <laughs> I mean, absolutely. That's what sold me. I was, as you may recall, I was on the fence for a little bit, what, with scheduling stuff. And then when you told me that, I was like, well, let's make it work time. <laughs> yeah, and it's as if God is on our side, because it looks like the hurricane is not going to be a factor. So there will be, I would assume, outdoor events, such as the pet contest. I'm sure someone is going to turn the fact that there's no hurricane into a conspiracy theory at this. That's a good point. What is it about uh, kids and animals where we're just like, let's dress them up and enter them in something? Uh, it's very unhealthy, whatever it is. And it's, it's a way for people who uh, want to still feel young and pretty and relevant to, uh, in a very unhealthy way, act that out, I think. <laughs> wow, that was deeper than I expected. <laughs> I haven't slept in three days, so yeah. You're going to get some raw <laughs> shit these next few days. You're welcome. By the way, John, it's my birthday. It is your birthday. Oh, my goodness. Happy birthday. Thank I had no you. idea. Song? Oh, uh, the song, Happy Birthday? Do you going to pay for the rights for that? <laughs> yeah, you're right. Forget it. <laughs> Happy birthday, As you heard, uh, uh, my friend sang me happy birthday before we're heading out on this road trip, and uh, two of those friends are the Dan and the Taylor of Popcast Myth and Lore. Uh, what did you think of your what I call your episode? Oh, I loved it. I posted on the uh, on the on the uh, the blog, not the blog. Oh, you the, um, the uh, you know what it's called? No, not the Facebook. The forum. The forum. I posted on the forum how great of an episode it was. I thought it was great. But Jeremy's selling it short. Because those stories about Jeremy are very funny stories. He just tells them poorly. I just wish I remembered them. And Taylor, uh, do, 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 fell asleep. So. No, no, no. I, I, I laughed like a fat baby eating chocolate cake. <laughs> and at the same time, was offended because you made me sound like, you know, a snob. <laughs> no, I think you're thinking of uh, your argument that you had, like, the next day oh, that hasn't about, been on the show. About me being a woman and spreading it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I have yet to begin to well, call you a snob on the show. Let me say, in my defense, I don't think Jeremy said that I, I mean, literally the past two nights I had gotten maybe three hours of sleep and then I got here at two o'clock in the morning and was starving but, you know, didn't want to eat for figure purposes. So I got up in the morning and had to be out and about and I just ate some pizza and then the guy got here and I couldn't bring the pizza in the car so I just put it in the, in the fridge and I'm sorry. <laughs> well, the point of it was that I'm the monster, not you, so I don't know why you're apologizing. You did everything normally. and more ladylike and appreciative. Appreciative. No, you were appreciative. Okay. You just didn't know it because you were asleep. I was very tired and delirious and hungry. And no I excuse. wanted to see you, Dad. No excuse. <laughs> Seeing me is no excuse. The worst excuse. Any final you, Jeremy. Happy birthday. Uh, I was just going to say any final thoughts, but... I Did love you. you happy birthday, I said. Oh, <laughs> don't tell the pickled onion story. Tell the pickled onion story. <laughs> Paratopia. I am here with Jody and Evan Heckman and John Flynn. John is driving. We are on our way to Exeter. John just was asked from Jody, do you believe in UFOs? And go. Um, I'm sure there's something out there. There's nothing in specific that I uh, believe in for sure or not. I haven't done a lot of research 
we're reading in the topic. Very politically correct, sir. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but I'm identified. I'm so stupid. how can you not say that they're unidentified flying objects? They're just unidentified. Oh, right. Like they're all secretly something else. Or not even secretly. They're really something else. They're birds, sir. <laughs> Metal birds from the future. I'm sorry it's not more entertaining of an answer. Or provocative. Yeah, I was just going to say that that wasn't really worth turning on the recorder. Uh, but I tell you, I said don't turn on the recorder. There's yeah. nothing interesting coming up. <laughs> uh, well, that won't be the last time those words have been spoken <laughs> this weekend. Paratopia, we've made it to Exeter, but yes. not before stopping off at Friendly's for a very special... A very special birthday. A very special <laughs> happy birthday. And by that... Uh, there's no way that I can even say it without making it sound like I'm making fun of retarded people. Well, maybe we don't have to say it. Maybe that's just a personal memory we share for life that we don't share with the internet. Guys, this is our pinky bond. Okay. Pinky swear, guys. We don't talk about retards. <laughs> <laughs> Until after the conference. <laughs> but we can make fun of them all we want now. Paratopia. It is... That time of the show. The time when we burn ourselves in the hot tub. Uh, we've got Evan, we've got Jody, a.k.a. Mudhog, from the message boards. And, of course, the one and only John Flynn. Uh, we're half naked and alone in this giant cavernous hotel. Only good can come of this. What? Yes. I can't wait. Well, it's funny. This just tells you something about priorities. Jody wants to go get wine. I just want the bubbles to get foamy enough to where I can pee and and nobody will know that it was me. Oh, hey, guys. Was that a lot? Use the pool. All right. Uh, So what does anyone... uh, Is is there anything that anyone cares about going on this weekend or is it just the whole thing you're looking forward to? Evan and go. Everything? Louder. Right. Jody? I want a t-shirt. Jody wants a t-shirt. I want a boyfriend. Aw, John wants a boyfriend, but he has a boyfriend. That's not right. He might be listening to this. He wants a New Hampshire boyfriend. Yeah. Oh, a New Hampshire boyfriend. Oh, there's one and tumble for your dad boyfriend. Paranormal podcast. <laughs> it's already going horribly awry. Uh, you have a lot of tattoos, Jody. A lot of tattoos. Wait a minute, he's undoing his pants. <laughs> We're all men here. Oh wow. Except for the boy. What's what's funny is Tim Banal uh, was calling me all day like, When are you getting here? When are you getting here? Where are you? And now that we're here, clearly he cares more about going and getting drunk. Kevin thinks that you all need to know why Tim Banal would rather get drunk than be with us. And I, I think that you can all figure it out. It's because he's a giant, giant alcoholic. Uh, in fact, he told me earlier today that he woke up naked on his sofa. And he had no idea how he'd gotten there. And it uh, was not alien abduction related, funny enough. So one can only imagine what went on there and what's going on now. John, what are you imagining? I'm imagining a lot of tears some initial regret but eventual um, coming to understanding with what happened 
It's, um, it's so weird because I always have the feeling that you're talking about something else. <laughs> no. Uh, but Jeremy, you didn't answer the question that you posed earlier. Is there something about this weekend that you specifically are looking forward to? No. <laughs> I mean, just hanging out with you guys. The whirlpool is good. Uh, I've never seen Stanton Friedman speak. So even though I'm sure I know what he's going to say, it'll be interesting. Um, and Phil Ingrogno is always good. So I'm looking forward to whatever he has to say. Uh, and of course, let us not forget the Dress Your Pet Up as an Alien contest, which... I'm willing to skip lunch for that one. Willing to skip lunch for that. Well, Tim Benal said that he was going to try to pull strings to get me to be a, uh, a judge in that. Uh, Although it might involve uh, okay, so some sort of fez hat. What will, your, what will your approach to judging be? Do you think you'll be a Simon, a Paula, a Randy, an Ellen? <laughs> those, are, those are all fine options. Uh, I'll probably be more of a Simon. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I'm real judgmental. I, you know, if you're going to put your dog in a, some sort of vest... Yeah, I mean, we all, we, all know, we all know what we expect to see. I, I'm looking for the unexpected. So what would your sort of dream... First of all, pets, never mind the costume. Like a dog, cat, okay, we get it. But maybe like an iguana... A parrot. Yeah, I think if they dressed up uh, an iguana like a reptilian alien... Somehow, could I become a judge for this? Like, could you say, like, oh, he's uh, a Red Citizens Brigade, he gets, uh... He's, uh... I can say it. I don't know that they'll know it. Oh, they'll know what UCB is here. <laughs> well, then, yes. <laughs> hmm. I got the feeling that the whole town is judging us, though. That's the fun thing. No, we're judging them. We fine. <laughs> Back to you, me. Paratopia. Night has fallen in Exeter. I just burned the shit out of my eyes in a hot tub. And then we all met up with Tim Banal and some people downstairs. Drunk out of his fucking mind. And now I'm sharing a bed. With the one and only John Flynn. John. Hey guys. <laughs> is this as much a dream for you as it is for me? It's uh, something I always wondered about, but never actually thought would happen. How are we going to make this happen? I think it's happening. This is the greatest birthday present of all. I think Timbanal is in love with me. Timbanal is in love with you. He just doesn't know it yet. You've got to see through his tough Boston exterior, and I think you've done a good job of that. Oh, I think he knows it. I think he's just scared right now. But it's going to happen. You just have to ease him into it. Yeah, that's what tomorrow's all about. But what about tonight? Tonight's for you. Tomorrow's for Tim. I gotta go. Paratovia. Saturday, September 4th. The big day. We're all eating our all-you-can-eat breakfast. We're all starched up. All starched up and ready to go. John Flynn, big question is, how was I, you know, to sleep with? Oh, um, very respectful, 
very um, peaceful, um, and you snore. I heard some other snoring going on in the room. I wouldn't say I was the worst offender in that there front. Was, there was a time when I there was a, a symphony of snoring. <laughs> Literally three different people snoring. In key? Oh, no. There was no agreement as to key or tempo or what song you were even all snoring. Hmm. Was, I, uh, I'm it, sorry. I don't know was, what to say. It felt like a, 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 a duet between Yoko Ono and Bjork. Well, I just hope that's a foreshadow of things to come. I don't know what those things could be. That would be a great duets album. I would buy that, especially at a on a day like today. Hmm. What is a day like today? What do you? Anything change overnight? You met Tim Benal. Did that go as planned? I didn't think I would fall so in love so quickly. Did you think that he would go for you in quite the way that he did? Well, it was interesting. I didn't. I. I had been led to believe he would be more of a sort of a sparring partner in the comedy way, and he just seemed much more insecure, so I think I maybe came on a little too strong and started up on the wrong foot. I do believe I began to win him over, and I'm sure, as I said last night, I will fuck that dude before this weekend is out. <laughs> the conference begins now. <laughs> the first speaker is Steve Fermani. He's talking about MUFON, the organization. He is the head of New England MUFON. So far, blithering idiot. Color me shocked. As it helped him in the Midwest states, foundries, it became a world-class world organization. The name has changed from mutually UFO method. That allowed the acronym MUFON to remain John, I see you. I see you're tweeting away. What are you writing? Well, follow my Twitter feed, J599, to find out. Usually at UFO conferences, they have speakers who, for instance, know how to speak. But Exeter is not afraid to buck the trend and give us a chromosomally deficient non-speaker first. But I guess get him out of the way, right? Who knows what the day will hold? Well, well, well. Mr. Friedman there, isn't it? This is Stan Friedman. All of them. All of them. Welcome, I'm warning you, it's hot as you know what in there. I know, I've been inside. I see I'm not the only one who came out to escape. What happened to your little speech about I drove 10 hours here, I'm going to see everything. It was worth it to see Mr. Banal and John Flynn. <laughs> so you're saying you're done. You're done. <laughs> I, I did climax already last night, so... Yeah, I, it, it's like listening to that man speak in the, in the heat. There's no air conditioning in there, folks. Uh, so it's just hot as balls and muggy, and there's a man speaking, and it is like studying for an exam you're never going to take. He's just reading verbatim off of the slides, and... You're sweating like Mike Tyson at a third grade reading test. <laughs> yes, yes I am. So, I'm outside. He's, he's driven me from the room. Five hours in a car be damned. <laughs> I think I'm done. That's <laughs> why he's the opener. We survived the hurricane though. I mean, God, it's awesome out here now. Tim Banal, the host of the Exeter UFO Let's Conference, the MC. I just wanted to let you know, outside. we found out what you didn't. The incident at Exeter is in fact the Betty and Barney Hill. No, it's not. Yes, it is.
No, it's not. Yes, it is. No. Yes. Let's go while I have a cigarette. <laughs> no, dude. It was a whole different thing. It was a well, UFO yeah, sighting. Yeah, but it was related. In 1965. But it was related. It was related to the Betty and Barney Hill incident. Well, tangentially, Sorry. I suppose, since John Fuller wrote a second book that was called Incident at Exeter. That's how... No, he wrote... I think he wrote Interrupted Journey. Then he wrote Incident at Exeter. No, they were saying this other dude wrote Incident at Exeter. What other dude? I don't know. Steve Fermani? Yes. <laughs> okay, so once again, nobody knows what Incident at Exeter is. <laughs> <laughs> I just told you what it is. Yeah, but you're wrong. The, the woman who's like the coordinator of this thing just explained it to us. She's probably fucking wrong. And she's from Exeter. So? Fancy that. I found this in the fucking hall yesterday when I was setting up. What is that? An earring. Tim and I applying it. An earring. Nice. It's so. lovely. It's a giant, like, disco hoop-looking thing. Yeah, yeah, nice. yeah. Uh, by the way, the UFO... So it works with the... Should I just go up on stage to after Steve Fermani's done, just totally straight face like this? Yeah. Like Steve Fermani, everybody. Yeah, that earring and then eyeliner in the other... In the, other <laughs> eye. <laughs> the other eye, yeah. Odd Fellows Hall, right across from the UFO conference. Is that perfect, uh, I don't know, serendipity? Is that serendipity? I serendipity? Yeah. Serendipity. Betty and Barney Hill case. Never. <laughs> hmm? So, John Flynn... Wait a minute, I thought you were taping this now. I, I was taping that. Now I'm taping this. Again, I, I press stop. You just met John Flynn last night, Tim and all. What, what are your feelings? He's funny. He's a funny fuck. But he's kind of mean, too. But I'll be honest with you, dude. I was telling Evan, like, since, like, 5 o'clock yesterday afternoon until about uh, right after I did the kickoff thing, I was, I've was i just been, like, a- angry. So it probably, <laughs> like, it boiled over. Well, I could tell you, like, I don't know if it was maybe it's what you do when you drink or maybe just when you're hyper or whatever, but you were shouting like the whole night and it was like why is he shouting everything and I'm seeing you today and you're not shouting everything so I'm like okay that's not just his normal no, voice no, no. <laughs> I was just like fucking really high strung last night but you're getting through it it's going I'm well. essentially done with anything I thought maybe I had to produce but then I realized that there was only like 20 people there which was great and they don't give a fuck what I have to say they just want to know where the bathrooms are so that's like my job to tell them where the bathroom is. They're dying to know where the exit is. At least I know I was. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Steve Fermani is still speaking, but I think it's worth noting that this is, hands down, the worst presentation I've ever seen in my life. I can't pay attention to anything he's saying. I'd rather watch taint dry than listen to the rest of this. John, how high would you have to get to make this interesting? I'm pretty high, and it's not interesting. Did you ever think that UFOs and aliens could get this boring? Um, it's like watching the first Star Wars prequel again. Minus Jar Jar Binks. I thought you were going to say all Jar Jar Binks. If Jar Jar Binks had a thick Boston accent and a lisp. (laughs) Just picture the scene in Ferris Bueller's Day Off where the teacher says Bueller, Bueller, Bueller. And that's going on for two hours. That's what this is. Good morning, Exeter. 
Meanwhile, John Flynn has started his campaign of sexually harassing Tim Banal. We'll see where this does and does not lead. We just had what I can only say is a classic Steve Fermani moment where he said, there was a sighting in Fitchburg, Massachusetts in 2002 of a triangular craft that even he didn't know about, that didn't make the papers, that he only found out about through MUFON. And why is that? And then he says, probably because no one's heard of MUFON. And then he says to the audience, how many of you have heard of MUFON? <laughs> and all of the audience raises their hand, to which he replies, okay, about half of you. <laughs> <laughs> Quality material, folks, just not for UFO studies. Jody Heckman, you've traveled hundreds of miles, numerous hours, and you see the Provident Bank, Exer's only community bank, with a big welcome sign with an alien face on it. Does that make you immediately want to open up a bank account in Exeter? No. no. I actually, there's an Exeter down near me, too. Any relation? Yes. Good. Was there an incident there? <laughs> Do we know what that was? Hey, because we still that? don't know what's oh, going on here. Hey, the kids. <laughs> what time did you go to bed last night? Like 12. What? Have you been getting my texts? I've been texting you. <laughs> you haven't been sending me texts, dude, have you? I don't, I've never sent a text in my life, and I never will. Okay. Stand on that. <laughs> what? That's, that's really I'm not from New York City, okay? <laughs> But you have a chip on your shoulder the size of New York City, apparently. Wow. <laughs> Should I show him my fancy earring that I got? Wow, what'd you get that for? Someone left. I don't know, found it here yesterday. Let me see. Yes. Yeah. Disco pirate. <laughs> Maybe I could do like that. Uh, Not so much. Yeah, this has like been on some creepy Ow. person's ear, so I shouldn't Sorry. really be putting it near my mouth. Do you want it? I'm fine, but gift? thank you. No, How about thank you? you. No, thank you. <laughs> One funny thing happened after I did the introduction, like, I have two Dunkin' Donut coffees, like, stowed away up, up on stage. So, like, I grabbed one and left the stage, and then, like, one of the ladies who's, like, one of the underling ladies, like, stormed the oh, stage. Oh, right, we saw that. saw that bar, was like, you can't bring food and drink. Oh, that was because of you? I thought maybe, because nice. I made a big show of how I had They're a coffee. They're never asking you back here to host again. Wow, that's it, dude. You're done. You better make the rest of this day count. Yeah. Good for you. Up this next, Peter Robbins. Yeah. You can do this. Eye of the tiger, baby. I'll you can win the audience back. The audience loves me. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it's, it's the faculty and staff that could do without him. <laughs> they love me too, dude. Did you feel the ghost of Abraham Lincoln, who shared that very stage with you some 18,000 years ago? There was a vibe. Yeah. Hmm. Lincoln appeared on the stage? Lincoln, Benal, and the Morlocks. <laughs> Together again, through the sands of time. Jason Baruti. Yes. Penny, for your thoughts. Um, I don't know. Hungry? Waiting for the uh, conference to start? No, it started already. You missed it. You missed the first speaker. He was great. <laughs> what was his name? Uh, Mumbles. 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 Yeah. No, I'm waiting to see uh, Peter Robbins, Stan Friedman. Should be interesting. You'd think that, but uh, <laughs> time will tell. <laughs> well, I hope it will be. You know? Who knows? Maybe they'll talk about stuff I've already heard before, but... No. Get out. I'm sure. I'm sure it'll come up. Hmm. But, uh, you know, it should still be fun. I'm having a good time. It's nice cool. to meet you and everybody else here. It's lovely meeting you as well. 
Well, thank you very much. <laughs> oh, that's pleasant. <laughs> Peritopia. Exeter is heating up and dehumidifying, so that's good. Just watched uh, Peter Robbins talk about something where if you're Jeff Ritzman, you're going to say, well, of course. So the Pease Air Force Base is inextricably linked to UFO sightings uh, around here. I mean, he made this statement. So that's Jeff's, well, of course, it's all secret technology. But, uh, and I also learned that there's a lot of uh, UFOs that are around here that are um, colorful, blinking lights, windows, it seems to be. The radio's not here. Oh, my God, you finally said, Tim, but all what I wanted to hear you say. They're going like hotcakes. Uh, I'm going to try and work a good parade in, too. Yeah, please do. But you were basically right about the incident at Exeter. So, I told you, yeah. yeah. I know, and you had no idea what this was last night. You did your homework. Stay up till 5 a.m. Did, did you some good. Really need one of my world-famous naps. <laughs> it's not. I went back to the hotel to get my flop sweat rag. Go ahead. And put, get my gels for my shoes. Uh, and, like, it took every ounce of self-control not to just fucking curl up like a child and go to bed. What would Stanton Friedman say? I saw the maids were at your room and they were horrified, so I don't know what you guys were up to last night, but I think you do know. Peritopia, it's, it's finally arrived. The Pets Dressed as Aliens contest, including a gecko. Oh, it's the standard, you know, dogs dressed in tinfoil. Daisy. Daisy getting more applause than uh, than Steve Romani. Look at that poor dog with the eyes. Mikey is tuxedo. Actually more of a shadow person than an alien. So how are you liking the hometown feel as opposed to the corporate XO conference um there's a lot more families here a lot less um lots of merchandise which is sad i was hoping to pick up some more wardrobe items <laughs> some more artwork some more autographs it's everything i expected i don't know that it's everything i'm hoping for so you're saying that you like the x conference uh so far i feel like it was uh there was more of like a call to arms of that one. There was more of like, let's get something to happen. Do you hear the people yeah. sing? It's like Lee Miz. Very much so. Hold on, they're about to announce the winner. So I'm very distracted. Sorry. Is it going to go to a dog or a gecko? How many of these pets will be served the loaf and ladle in <laughs> just 15 to 20 minutes? I prefer first. <laughs> so basically the only person who didn't win was the dog in the tuxedo. Oh, the dog in the tuxedo lost. No. No, dog in tuxedo. No. Ah, uh, but the gecko. The gecko wins. So the gecko wins. And the completely tortured dog with fake eyes. Oops. Yes. All right, Jody. What have we learned? Mumbles was uh, 
Thirteen year old Evan says Mumbles was horrible. Wow, you and Evan knows that Mumbles was awful. Yeah, he was true. He was monumentally terrible. You know he's bad when he was first and that was like eight thirty in the morning and that's the first thing you remember about the whole day. I commented on a minute ago. It's sad that he was the uh, selected representative of MUFON to come speak. His, his comment about, well, a big triangle was real silent, just floating there, like everybody's wondering how it just stayed there, and then it disappeared, and we didn't know where it went. I, I, I found that fascinating. That was, that's, that's the quality investigation that you expect from New England MUFON. <laughs> so, yeah, so you were saying that now you understand what Jeff and I are bitching about. Yes, or, yep. My experience at conferences and talking to other people about uh, this type of stuff, I completely understand where Jeff and Jeremy have their uh, reservations about craziness. But what about even in Phil and Brogno's, I mean, did it bother you in Phil and Brogno's presentation when he said, you know, Bud Hopkins, foremost authority, says, I know what these ships are doing when they're low above cities and beaming down. They're looking for people. He knows this. I mean, how do you, how do you qualify saying, I know this? Did that bother you at all or no? I think Mr. Banal should answer that question. Tim Banal. What? Can you know anything about the motives of aliens? Mick Jagger died, dude. It was on the news when I went to the hotel. Are you serious? No, I'm lying. I'm uh, Robert Schmeichel. <laughs> Robert Schmeichel from TV Funhouse? Yeah. Nuri Kabe from the Paratopia and Banal message board. This is his first conference. First conference. So no, <laughs> first conference, maybe the last. Is that good? Oh, that's, does that count? Not does the Monster Mash count? Not anymore. What, what is your takeaway so far? Uh, it's a lot of information I already read. Information you get from free, for free on Paratopia. Exactly. I mean, why are we coming here and paying to see, like, Philip Brogno and Stan Freeman when I interview them? I got to the hotel, I only had a half hour. Well, it's free here as well. True. But it's a lot of time. Time you could be listening to Paratopia. This is true. You should have a booth. Yes, I should get a booth. A dunk booth. <laughs> Soak the clown. I gotta know. I mean, this might be the last we see of the two of you together, ever. Was there a love connection? I hope it's the last time we see each other. You're saying that so it's easier when we part. Oh, see? Huh. This is all making a lot of sense. Does this type of attention follow you everywhere, Mr. Benal? Yeah, dude. Should have seen the Yeah. Should have seen the woman who the girl who interviewed me earlier. Yep. She's all about Benal. She just wanted you to buy her some liquor for her friends. <laughs> 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 Would this be the high school girl or the, yeah. the high school newspaper? Well, she turned out the Austria's high school newspaper. Beer, so. She just wanted Zima. Mike's hard lemonade. <laughs> Good time. Oh, dude, I had a Sandy moment. What happened? I went to uh, Dunkin' Donuts, obviously, and um, there was a kid, a guy working there, and his name tag said Courtney. And I was like, saying she. No, I was like, is that, is that really your name? And he was like, yeah. And then, and then I, I was like, that's a girl's name. Did you say that to him? Yeah. <laughs> because he's never heard that. Yeah. Well, of course, then it shouldn't bother him. Then everybody... <laughs> that's not the way that happened. Oh. Uh, <laughs> then everyone in the place laughed at him. Are you introducing the second half? 
Yeah, because it's 155 now. I know, the second half starts at 205, so I have 10 minutes. So, they laughed at him and he was cool with that? No, I don't care. I tipped him big. Get over it. Say he should be used to it by now. Wow. And the girl who also was working, she was pretty cute too, probably in high school, and her name, her name tag said Cassie, and he's like, her name's Dave. Yeah. And you're like, this is why you're working at Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah, yeah. I was like, well, no, it doesn't look like any Dave I've ever seen, dude. <laughs> and he's not like any Courtney you've ever seen. What? He's definitely no. He's like, no, it's not. When I said it's a girl's name, I was like, all right, buddy. Are you moving here? Are you moving to Exeter? I would love to move to Exeter. It's fucking awesome here. I don't know if I uh, buy the whole trying to build it up into like a UFO mecca. Well, I'm not buying that. Something cool happened here in 65. Yeah. <laughs> yes, in 1965, one cool thing happened here. The incident at Exeter is not the pretty I know. Wasn't that woman telling us that it was? Uh, the coordinator of this event told us it was Betty Barney Hill. Go figure. Stan Friedman gets a standing O by about a thousand people. It was packed in there, and of course, as mentioned, there's no air conditioning. It's hot and humid. I'd like to thank whoever it was that consistently farted the entire time. <laughs> uh, so I came here to support Tim, and I have yet to actually see him introduce anyone. And finally, I, I get there in time for Friedman, and he's late. So Friedman took it upon himself to late, storm dude. the stage. No, I wasn't late. What happened was... Stan went to, this is how huge a star Stan Friedman is, and it's kind of frightening, because he actually just went up to set up his slideshow, and apparently, like, from the moment his foot hit the first step, um, the place went crazy. Huh. And then he was doing the slideshow. He was like a crooner, like, nasty, noisy, negative is. He, like, had all the old standards. Of course. So then... Then, uh, then he had the thing set up, and then he just started, like, freestyling. And it was like, why do you need... Ancient astronomers! Yeah. Well, he was like, you know, he did all... Remember how I said I was going to cover Friedman? He did that part. So it was like... So then uh, I'm like, oh, no. Uh, why do you need... Why do you need me? Yeah. Why do you even need me? They already... You've already gotten a standing ovation, dude. And you sold every book before you even hit the yeah. stage. Yeah. Like, I have a feeling they know who you are. Yeah. So, so then, <laughs> but then he's like, are you going to introduce me? And I'm like, why? They, no one wants me up there now. You ruined the moment, dude. No one wants to hear, yeah, I'm take. I'm, I'm get, taking you off of the microphone. That's not, I'm going to get like heckled, dude. You're putting me in danger. So then I introduced him. I couldn't, I thought he hated me afterwards, but then I saw him after he, he did his thing and I was like, Hey, dude, you know, sorry about all that. He was like, ah, don't worry about it. It's okay, man. He turns into Sammy. Sammy. Double. Sammy yeah. Davis Jr. Double standing ovation. <laughs> a lot. I need more often. It's good meeting you. Good You're meeting you, too. Fun. You're funny, too. Have a good rest of your conference. Ah, whatever. Uh, just stay out of trouble, dude. All right. I'll give you, I'll give you what you've wanted uh, this whole time. There you go. <laughs> Ah, like the East and West coming together. John Flynn and Tim and all playing a game of grab ass one last time. My goodness. Now he's carrying him down the aisle. Should someone take a picture? I wish. Yes.
John Flynn, you're the perfect guinea pig for this little he said, he said. Uh, except I, don't, I wasn't paying attention, but go on. All right, well, Stan Friedman holds up, proverbially holds up, uh, the blacked out document and says, look, the government is covering up UFOs. Look at all this black mark, right? Right. Jeff Fritzman says, well, wait a minute. Why would they even give you that? Why not just give you the thing that says, sorry, can't give you any information, unless they want you to hold that up at conferences, believing that this is UFOs, so people will laugh it off and not realize that it's secret U.S. technology or Russian or whatever. Which do you think makes more sense? Um, well, it doesn't really make sense that the government would be like, here's a piece of paper that's all blacked out. But maybe there is some sort of weird arcane law that says... They can do that, but not give, like, that one piece of paper that said deny in toto or something like that. Like, maybe there's certain, some certain law that if, as long as they give you a piece of paper that appears to be that thing, right. then they're okay. Then they can't be held accountable for something. I feel like if we go back to the Nazi flying disc connection, uh, if yes, that's please, true... Let's go back to the Nazis, because it's always a good thing. I mean, if that's true, then might that not be what... They want to cover up that all this technology came out of these stolen Nazi scientists. I will leave that to Wonder Woman, which I believe was all said in World War II. That's, I know nothing about what you're talking about. I'm... Thank you for coming, John. <laughs> Always a pleasure. Can't wait for the next one. Oh, by the way, just to get this on record, you actually, it's official. Yes. You like the X Conference better than... The homemade sweet potato pie Exeter conference. I mean, I enjoyed this for what it was. I was hoping, hoping for, you know, like like I was trying to encourage uh, Tim last night. Like I wanted the bold statement. I wanted the the radical idea. The uh, you the like the arms. you like the delusional uh, rebel with a delusional cause kind of thing. Yeah, it's much more interesting than these lectures, which I felt were just people going, here's something, here's something, here's something, but no sense of, like, here's what it adds up to, or here's what we should do with this information. It just felt like, here are boring facts, here's, you know, minutiae and status, and, and, you know, like, just who cares, you know, but no sense of, like, this is what we should do, this is how we should interpret this, this is how we should react to it. Here's, you know, it's building toward anything. It was just like, well, look at all that. Sometimes scientists make mistakes. Thank you. Buy all eight of my books. <laughs> That's so, what that last lecture was to me. All right, but the other one is disingenuous, right? Because they're giving you answers that can't possibly, they can't possibly know. I mean, if you get an answer about an unknown, then that's a wrong conclusion. How, wait, what do you mean? I mean, we're saying unidentified flying objects. Right. You say unidentified flying objects and this thing called alien abduction. Right. This is what we've got on the table. And from there, you can either say, look at this stuff, now buy my books, or you can say, look at this stuff, we've got to demand answers, we've got to make contact with these people, we've got this whole intergalactic constitution laid out, they're just waiting for us, blah, blah, blah. I feel like as an audience member, if I had questions, none of them would have been answered. Um, and there, I, I don't feel like I'm leaving here with a sense of, here's what I can do with this, here's, you know, like, again, it's just... Here's information. Here's confusion. Jody's worth out of the conference. Exactly. <laughs> it was free after all. Okay, so you're saying then, just to wrap up here, you would rather uh, be lied to about what you can do as long as it gives you a sense of purpose and drive and you can get behind and go, yeah, even if it's hollow, like a movie. No, why does it have to be a lie? 
Um, because it's all a lie. So the whole thing is a lie. So if the whole thing's a lie, I say go big. Like the X conference, where it's like, I emit gold pellets from my body. As opposed to like, some people said they saw a ship. Other people said they didn't. Huh. Some people like toast for breakfast. Well, see, Other think, people like bagels. I think no, give me... I've been raped several times. Aliens uh, are anti-Semitic. And they run Hollywood. Like, I want something crazy like that. See, I feel like this is the exact problem with ufology, which is you are stuck with no answers or a false answer. And so... No, that's not my point. My point is that... These, all of these lectures, and a lot of the ones from the last time too, which is more colorful, just sort of give information without any sense of what to do with it. Right. So, yes, the government lies to us. And yes, the government has information they're not sharing. And yes, some scientists are bad. And, and a lot of people are ignorant. So what are, what, are, what are sort of positive things for us to do about it? Sort of like they just said, hey, America's stupid. People are fat. People are uh, addicted to drugs. We're all going to hell in a handbasket. So I mean, like, all right, here are things. Here's what we can do about it. Here's how we can change things. Right. Fair enough, old friend. But you feel? Do you feel like with the X conference, you got some of those? Here's what you can do about it. Answers? No. Okay. <laughs> but it was more delightful in its uh, empty calories. That's then, that's what I'm asking. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Very good. I think we're on the same page here. So it's sort of like eating cardboard as opposed to eating a sundae. This was eating wet cardboard. Right. The X conference was big, crazy sundaes. Paratopia. It's Jeremy. The Morlocks. Live at New England's own The Morlocks. Set up not unlike a middle school dance, except that all of the little kids are dancing with oversized alien balloons. It's horrifying. It's troubling. I, I, I'm willing to make a bet that at least one or two Exeter residents will be making love to these inflatable aliens tonight. Tim, I'm deeply aroused. Is that wrong? Again, I'm afraid that someone will be making love to the inflatable aliens tonight. Maybe now you've stepped up to the plate.
observation. Everyone in Exeter is oddly sexual. Like, you get the feeling that you can come here and fuck every married 40-year-old and her 14-year-old daughter for some reason. It's very odd. It's kind of creepy. I'm, like, waiting for everyone to turn into vampires and eat us, frankly. Yeah. Or to dance. Yeah, or to, either one is going to be fucking scary beyond belief. But one way or another. Baby out. So, Tim and all, here we are. We've slept together. We've conferenced together. Oh, well, we, we slept in the same hotel room together. It wasn't, it wasn't nearly as exciting as what you and uh, John Flynn had, but... Oh, please. Uh, he snores like an animal, everyone. I didn't get a fucking ounce of sleep. That's true. Um, so, any any final thoughts? Penny, for your thoughts, Tim and all. I don't really have any thoughts. My feet hurt. I'm tired. Your grundle. My grundle hurts. I'm tired. Grundle, no relation to the fact that we slept in the same room. No, no, it has nothing to do with that. My grundle hurts from the excessive walking. And I'm convinced... On my balls. <laughs> oh, wait, no. But yes, I've been walking on your balls. <laughs> it's a massage technique. <laughs> Should I give the three leftover beers to the maids? If you think that'll help. Help what? We don't need them to clean anything. We're leaving. Oh, if you clean something. <laughs> My grundle. Get some beers. A little attention. Yeah, leave them for the maids. Uh, so, how, how do you feel you did? How do you feel the, the weekend did overall compared to the Monster Mash? Go. Oh, a thousand times better than the Monster Mash. Great turnout. Great speakers. Not that we, we had great speakers at the Monster Mash, too. but I don't know. It's hard to compare them, actually. But the, the overall, the weekend was great. What about your performance? I was happy with my performance. Tim, were you? Yeah, I think so. I was pretty happy. Not from what I saw. Oh, wait, I didn't... I you missed everything. Yeah, you didn't see any of my appearance. <laughs> Came to support Tim. Never saw one opening. <laughs> Left at three and fell asleep. Let's not leave that part out. That's how I roll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a great weekend. Great speakers. Had a lot of fun. I think you can agree now that you've been here, Exeter is really an amazing place. And without pandering, yes, Exeter is lovely. Without pandering to our own audiences, uh, have you noticed that, like, our listeners are normal human beings a step above some of the fray? <laughs> I did, actually, yeah, I did notice that all of our listeners who were up here were all normal people who were cool and, like, that you act, well, we had, well, you didn't, but you, you'd have a beer with. <laughs> you know? Right. Not you, but. No, not me. Me. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have beers. I'm civilized until I sleep. And then it's like fucking animal time. Yeah, and then it's like, it's like flashback to the tuberculosis era. <laughs> it's like, uh, someone didn't get his TV shot as a kid. <laughs> like, what we have here with Mr. Vaney is the last remaining tuberculosis case in American history. <laughs> patient patient 10,200. <laughs> that's, that's not me, by the way. Ice cream. This is Phil and Brogno, paranormal investigator and scientist. Sometimes you're listening to Jeff and Jeremy on Paratopia. If you record audio for any purpose, chances are you want it to be heard. You want to attract the largest audience possible who can hear your message. That's where we come in. We're CyberEars.com, a revolutionary Internet service that will host your audio files and help you promote and track its popularity. Considering hosting a podcast to the world? 
we have all the automated tools to make the process as simple and easy as it can be. No technical mumbo-jumbo to work out. CyberEars.com does all the work for you. You record it. We take care of the rest. So don't delay. Go to CyberEars.com today and register for a free trial account. Upload your audio files and get heard. With CyberEars.com, it's your audio on your terms. Hey, this is Stacy. This is Jeremy. Be sure to check us out on the Black Fridays podcast. Where we explore the esoteric one conversation at a time. You can check us out at www.theblackfridays.net. It's a little bit freaky. And we will see you there. So the Jeff. Yes, Jeremy. How are you? So the Jody. Oh, Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> I got a twofer tonight. Um, I, yes, I stole that from John Flynn. So you, you're as obsessed with John Flynn as Ritzman is with Tim Banal. <laughs> <laughs> I love Tim. It's, it's, it's awesome. It's perfect, really, because they were uh, somewhat obsessed with each other over the weekend, if I may say. Yes, that was the <laughs> highlight of the UFO conference. <laughs> Hi guys. Oh, hey guys. Uh, so Jody, you were, first of all, let me publicly thank you so very much. Jody, uh, not only drove us there, which means like 10 hours for him because he drove from Pennsylvania to New York and then from New York to New Hampshire, also drove, um, John Flynn back, um, and paid for my hotel room for my birthday. I mean, just incredible. And sent me like a little care package of some books and DVDs to look at. Jody Heckman is the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> and I, Jody, I thank you. Jody, that's just how Jody rolls. Jody's like the coolest listener ever. Yeah. Thank you very yeah, much, I, sir. I think what comes around goes around and whatever, you know, you put out there, you get back. That's why uh, every hot well. woman I see, I offer to have sex with her. <laughs> One day that'll come around. And, right. No, <laughs> well, I, like to think, I like to think that the good karma buck stops here. So right, whatever you exactly. gave to me. I'm just going to squelch. Um, you won't. We'll see it. In any event, uh, I, I really wanted to talk to you of anyone that went on this trip because um, you're literate. No. Uh, because uh, you actually said on our forum that, that you now understand Jeff and my position better, and I wanted to grill you a little bit about that. So why don't you tell everyone what that means? It, it clicked for me uh, almost crystal clear, like, I totally didn't understand what you were saying. Um, I heard what you were saying, but it wasn't real for me until the UFO what? conference at Exeter. Um, the cultishness, the uh, crazies, the I'm going to stick to my beliefs and go down with the sinking ship, no matter how much information you give me that proves I'm wrong. The uh, motivations for the people that are in this, I don't have a lot of experiencer experience. I have more book knowledge, fringe interest, fringe experiences, um, more than, I guess, the average person, but not near what you guys are doing. Uh, I appreciate your perspective that you take on this, your stance on it, your open-mindedness, and all of my experiences, including I've been out to Gilliland's Ranch a couple of times, uh, and I have a lot of respect for him. Uh, The books I've read, I never really felt like somebody was a total off-the-wall loon. I I am a country bumpkin, naive. I'm not going to say ignorant, but I'm kind of... Well, you saw what I did at this conference. I was, you know, I drove. Um, I 
just went along and whatever I could give, I gave. I'm not motivated by anything other than helping. That's what I do for a living. I mean, um, I, I help people. I like it. It makes me feel good about myself. And I don't think I'm in it to need that to feel good about myself. I'm happy and comfortable with who I am and I give what I can. And that's, I don't know, my niche, I guess. But when I got up to that conference and started seeing some other stuff, not necessarily behind the scenes, but I don't know, it just clicked up there for me. There are some people that are just freaking batshit crazy. Now, was this, was this the speakers only, or are you talking about the people in the audience? Did you interact with, uh, you know, other conference attendees? I think it was all the pieces of the puzzle fit together. It wasn't just one thing. It was a lot of little things. Um, I, I hate to do this. God bless the soul for standing up in front of everybody. But the gentleman that was there representing all of MUFON for the whole New England sector. Steve Fermani. Was not even a high school level public speaker. I mean, the stories he was telling, the way he was speaking, his presentation, the whole setup was uh, a joke. It was really, really bad. And my son and I looked at each other after about five minutes and I'm like, let's get out of here. It's nicer to sit outside on the sidewalk and talk to strangers than to sit here and listen to this. Yeah, well, I thought it was hysterical, especially because before that you were saying, you know, like I was dying, you know, it was like 8.30 in the morning, this thing starts, I just wanted to sleep, and you're like, I'm not missing any part of this. I drove, you know, 500 miles to see this, or whatever, however many hundreds of miles it was, and then within five minutes of Steve Fermani, the very first speaker, you were done. <laughs> it wore you down in five minutes. And maybe the five minutes that I heard, the perspective that they hold and stick to, um, I don't remember what it was, but I'm like, this is ludicrous. What is coming out of his mouth is like pure crap. How can anybody stick to this and believe it and dedicate so much time and energy to it? Maybe a whole bunch of people don't. That's why he's up there representing the group of them. I don't know. Hmm. But um, Yeah, it, I, I got to say, I was disappointed in... Well, even Phil and Brogno, who I love, uh, just in, in terms of it really being about book sales, it's like, I've got this theory you can read about in one of my eight books, uh, and then keeps listing off those books, and Stan Friedman did the same thing. It's all about listing off these books, and Friedman, um, as we knew prior from Tim Banal, um, had actually sold out most of his books before he even hit the stage, so why he felt the need to continue to sell books... Um, I, I don't know, but it just, that felt odd, except that in the context of this conference, it almost made sense because this was, as we talked about, more of a family-friendly, sort of a primer on ufology, kind of open to the public thing. It wasn't a real in-your-face, here's what you gotta do, disclosure-type conference, and it wasn't completely nuts, as I imagine a lot of conferences are, in terms of, you know, the true diehard believers in the audience and that sort of thing. I mean, it was a lot of, like, town folk, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I got the impression that the whole UFO conference was just a theme for the community, for them to drum up some business, get a little a little money flowing into the town. And they had a nice public event and gathering, and the kids were there, and, you know, they had iguanas dressed up like aliens and marched them through town, and uh, they were blow-up aliens in all the stores and all that stuff. Well, you, can, see, uh, you see what it's all about, right? I mean, both of you. Yeah, it's making I mean, a buck. 
Well, I mean, yeah, it's it's uh, they're trying to turn it into Roswell's. What thank like you. To yeah, do. yeah, yeah, exactly. That's 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 exactly what Roswell's become a closet industry out there, and um, and and why shouldn't we be doing that? Seems to be the, you know, I wasn't there, unfortunately. I would have loved to go on, but uh, you know, I, that's what it seems like. Most of what I've heard, uh, not only from you guys, but from uh, banter around the net, is that they were trying to turn it into like a secondary Roswell event. Yeah, it was more a carnival than it was a quote UFO conference. Right. Uh, and and Brogno and, and Friedman both had the same shtick. It was, hey, yeah, we believe in UFOs. We think it's kind of this. You want more details? Read my book. I'm just going to expose you to it. And both of them kind of had the same approach to it. That just kind of reinforced that that's what the, the case was. Mm. It was it was more of a. Hey, I'm so and so, and I've been doing this for 30 years, and I got a couple of degrees under my belt. That gives me some validity. If you want to find out what I'm saying, you got to buy my books and read them. You know, but this is a, a family public event here, and you know we'll expose you to it, and we're going to draw some people, and that's that. This isn't, you know, let's let's flip some rocks and let's ruffle some feathers and get to the bottom of what's going on. Yeah, I know it now. Well, I mean, and again, I mean, I don't think I don't think that part of it. I don't know that you can really fault anybody for because for that simple sake is that they're, they are trying, they're talking to people who aren't normally into this sort of thing, I would think, uh, right. and aren't, aren't normally exposed to it. So of course, you know, the idea of pushing like the book and all of that, these are for people who, I mean, uh, any place I've, I've heard Phil talk, it's like, he always like delivers 110. And so this, you know, just puts me in mind of, I know there's new people in the audience who have no idea who I am. And so they're going to have to buy books in order for next year. If I come back here, or wherever I might be, um, they're going to know a little bit more about what I'm doing. So I think that's kind of most expected for this sort of thing. I mean, I don't know. I, I think that the uh, the town folk becoming um, uh, capitalizing on it as much as what I've seen on the net and in pictures and all that is just like sideshow, like you said, complete sideshow yeah, type yeah. activity. They're looking to – sustain their existence. I think they could give a crap about UFOs. You know, to me, it was, it was a theme. It wasn't a, a true UFO conference. It was a reason to get together and invite a bunch of people in the town. Right. The end. Good. Sweet dreams. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> was there anything else that you wanted to, um, to address or do we basically cover it? That, that was cool. I'll give a plug for your book and your movie though. <laughs> I recommend them. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, your your uh, drunk neighbor that came over and sang happy birthday, you know, uh, bootlegged a copy of your movie to me. That's right. And, yes, uh, he, he very kindly it. said, here, Jeremy's got about 4,000 of these. <laughs> Just take one. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I thought that was, you know, uh, that whole experience of, you know, thank God you weren't like, staunch conservative Pennsylvanian who looks upon all New Yorkers as strange creatures anyway, because that certainly would have reinforced that. It's like, you've got John Flynn, who's, you know, I, I don't know, is he flamboyant or just gay? I don't know. But uh, at, at some point he starts talking about uh, some party he went to that was like a dominatrix and everybody had to paddle her husband or something like that, you know, and in he's dress, telling this in a, dress. in a dress. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh, the guy's wearing a dress and, and you know, here's my neighbors coming over to sing me happy birthday and they're in their pajamas. <laughs> like they had just woken up and they're still in their pajamas and slippers. And, uh, yeah, yeah let's qualify it. It's Taylor in her pajamas. So that's okay. Well, that's true. <laughs> Cowboy boots too. Cowboy boots. Yeah. She probably goes to bed with those on. That's hot. 
Oh my God! Please stop. And there's Don't Jody. And there's Jody and his son sitting on the floor, you know, quietly observing like the fucking Nature Channel, you know. Oh, I brought my wine up, my homemade wine and and sandwiches from my old sandwich shop, and we were singing Happy Birthday. <laughs> Yeah, it was good times. Good times. All right. Uh, well, Jody, thank you again for uh, a wonderful weekend, and I hope this doesn't completely turn you off from doing future road trips because the road trip itself was uh, a blast. Yeah, it was cool. It was fun. The The trip itself was better than the conference. I mean, the uh, whole birthday song from Jesse, the Friendly's Friday Night Regular was was incredible. It's something um, to behold, yeah. Sight to behold, yeah. John Flynn and Banal going at it was, was hilarious. And then Banal posted those pictures of him and Fran. I wanted to gouge my eyes out with a hot poker, but... Yeah, if anyone goes... If you want to go to Banal of America and scroll all the way down on their for, on his forum to uh, the very last piece of it, which I think is the podcast initiative, um, and go in there and... and click on his Exeter links with the photos, you'll see Tim Banal rocking out with this super old woman with uh, alien antenna on. And I mean, they're grinding on each other. Um, and it was every bit as real then oh. as it is in those photos. <laughs> so if that's what you want to see in your life, if you want, if you want something your eyes can never, can never peel away from, uh, it's those photos. <laughs> God. That's right. I said it. Um, all right. Well, Jody, once again, thank you. And, um, thanks for staying up with us and, uh, sweet dreams. All right, man. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Yeah. It was fun. It was cool. Yep. Bye-bye. Have a good evening. You too. You too. Good night. Ah, the Jeff. Alone at last. Alone at last. Yes, Jeremy. Here's my How question you? for you. Thank you. I'm doing well. Um, the incident at Exeter. Do you actually know anything about it do you care about it was it a big influence on you or does it pretty much hold no sway uh nope nope and nope good because what i thought was interesting was uh (laughs) when we were there the 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 woman who was in it was like a husband wife team i think that was in charge and that the wife described the incident exeter completely wrong like like she'd said betty and barney hill and she said (laughs) you know someone wrote one book and Another guy wrote another, and it was the same guy who wrote both. It was all, like, convoluted and screwed up. And what was really funny is on Friday night, uh, Banal made it known that he had no clue what the incident Exeter was, and yet he's emceeing this thing. But by the next day, he knew exactly what it was. So he did his homework overnight, which is good. Um, Well, either that or he was berated by people at the convention that he didn't know what what the incident was. Well, it was before the convention. Oh, it was before? Okay. (laughs) And we were berate, we were berating him the night before the convention, so that I'm sure that's why. I see. Uh, but in any event, so it, it seems as though the two things are Betty and Barney Hill, um, and then is it after that or before that? I don't even remember. You know, I guess I could look this up for our show, but I'm not gonna. But within two years, I mean, it's Betty and Barney Hill and this UFO sighting that takes place that uh, everyone at Pease Air Force Base sees and catches on radar and all this sort of stuff. Um, uh-huh. so this is what they're trying to build this town upon. And I guess there's a stretch of highway, uh, that, you know, famously has a lot of UFO sightings. And I wonder if it's not the stretch of highway that we went down, my mom, my sister and I back in the eighth grade going to Vermont. Um, cause it was around there where we saw the, the big green UFO. Oh uh, yeah. And 
So I guess if I took away anything from this weekend that was worthwhile ufologically, it's that the types of quote-unquote craft that are seen there are bright, colorful, spinning objects with windows running down the center. Huh. Uh, whatever shape they may be, that seems to be the motif, and that's what we saw. Okay. Um, so this gets me back to what is it about certain locations that have certain type of craft associated with them? Like you think Gulf Breeze, you think Bubba, you think Belgium, you think giant triangles, and so on and so forth. Right. What is that? Well, I mean, when you're talking about someplace like Gulf Breeze, uh, I mean, you're talking about a place that's virtually surrounded by top secret military bases. Uh, and you don't just have Bubba there. You've got all sorts of craft there, uh, structured and lights. I mean, Bubba is ostensibly is a light. When you're talking about Pine Bush, New York, you're talking about everything from gigantic triangular craft with all sorts of little appendages a la Ellen Crystal to uh, flashes of light in mountains and all sorts of weird phenomena. It's not just ufological up there. It's also all sorts of other weird things that I can attest to personally. And um, I think all these places, I I mean, part of me says, hey, was Gulf Breeze inundated back in the day with UFO sightings because people showed up to see them specifically? That's the kind of thing I wonder about. But then you go back in some place like Gulf Breeze all the way back good Lord, to the 50s and earlier, and there were sightings going on uh, not dissimilar from Ed Walter's stuff uh, and even more in your face. Uh, Eglin Air Force Base had a major sighting there. Uh, so I don't know. I, I mean some of them seem to coincide with ancient sites and some don't. Uh, I, I really don't have any idea uh, why a hot spot becomes hot and then loses its hotness uh, as Gulf Breeze did. Uh, so it, I don't, I don't know uh, someplace like the white mountains in New Jersey or, or I'm sorry, in New Hampshire and uh, an Exeter. And uh, I don't know where else could you pick off the top of your head? Well, Phoenix, of course, all these places, seem to be having sporadically increased stuff happen here and there. But again, is, does that mean anything? I mean, the next thing you turn around, it could be New York city. It could be Queens. It could be, you know, Joppa, Maryland. It could be anywhere. So, I mean, who's to say, I don't know. Uh, Yeah. But to me, it's just the fact that, I don't know, uh, that the characteristics of certain areas of the object scene seem to be uniform. Uh, with the exception of, well, you're saying Pine Bush, um, but even, yeah, you're right. I mean, there are some places like Pine Bush, I guess, and like, you know, Skinwalker Ranch, where it seems to be, there's all sorts of, you know, cryptozoological things as well as ghost lights as well as whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, that just is a whole host of stuff. But then, like I said, there are these specific waves of things that happen in areas. And I wonder why that, how how is that even possible? Well, if it's me, not government, I mean, you know. Well, and that's probably the easiest answer to come to when you're when you you know they're testing a project and that project evolves and therefore it all looks similar to the same type of thing. I mean, people have said that about Gulf Breeze. Um, I don't necessarily think that's what Gulf Breeze is, but it's certainly a distinct possibility that there's something like that going on, uh, or was, 
And uh, I, I don't know. I mean, geologically, you could say that Pine Bush is a, a fairly unique environment there. Um, I mean, Phil's been on to talk about uh, the magnetic anomalies in that area. Um, certainly, the American Indians uh, regard that place as a, a sacred spot. But Gulf Breeze? I mean, what's up with Gulf Breeze? I mean, I don't know. I mean, the one thing I can say about Gulf Breeze that was beyond the weird uh, of UFOs, if you want to put UFOs in a normalcy category and then look at Gulf Breeze, I mean, I experienced what I could only describe there as pinpoint earthquakes. And what is that about? Uh, whether or not it was actually a tremor or whether it was uh, something to do with the, the you know, uh, equilibrium disturbances or, or what have you. But I can tell you that me and if I had three people standing around me, two of us would feel it who were standing closest together and one wouldn't, and it would be within a matter of two feet away. So, that, I mean, that, that certainly speaks to something very strange uh, environmentally to me, at least. Maybe, maybe uh, it's as simple as, you know, there's another dimension with people that have flying vehicles the way we have cars. And so, if one pocket opens up in what would be one nation, you see triangles, and another it would be round things, and another it would be something else. Maybe it's that. <laughs> We're just seeing different countries overlapping. Our own, uh, our own Earth. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's a little pedestrian for Paratopia. So. And then when you see something like Skinwalker <laughs> or, or Pine Bush, it's like that's the slums or like the, the Badlands or something. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm going any, with. You've been eating anything funny tonight? Or, <laughs> I'm just curious. Uh, yes, as a matter of fact, I almost ate a whole pizza. That's kind of funny. Oh well, there you are. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. There's certainly different hot spots, hot for different reasons. I'm sure, but uh, I don't know. And then, and like, like I said, I mean, some places. Who's to say that it's not one sighting sparks another sparks another sparks another sparks a wave of interest and. Um, what I found interesting about UFO flaps is that they seem to gain and wane in popularity just as, as the phenomena wanes and gains in its appearance. So it almost seems to coincide with the amount of attention. I mean, certainly when Ed Walters um, came out with his photographs at Gulf Breeze, it became the Mecca of uh, all UFO flaps next to Mexico City. And as far as I know, Mexico City, City is still hot as far as uh, sightings go, whether or not or what to what percentage of those are actually legitimate unknowns or not, who knows. Um, but certainly the interest there is, is quite high. So I don't know. Uh, that's the only thing I've noticed about any particular hot spot or flap is that the the level of activity seems to coincide with the recognition of it and then seems to wane as popularity goes out. When I uh, spoke to Bland Pugh, who was uh, the lead MUFON guy in Golf Breeze back in the days of Ed Walters and all of that, uh, I asked him, I said, do people still go to Shoreline Park to Skywatch? And he said, no, uh, they don't. Um, it, it, the, I mean, as ridiculous as it may seem to us or as absurd as it may sound to us, they got tired of seeing Bubba night after night after night. They got tired of it. It became old hat. And so they stopped going. And I said, well, are there still sightings going on? And he said, not really. 
And I said, well, when did they stop? And he said, pretty much when we stopped going to Shoreline Park. Well, I mean, is there something to be said for that? I think there is. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. Yeah, I'm surprised actually Gulf Breeze hasn't tried to do what Exeter is doing and turn themselves into a tourist trap. Mm. But maybe they're already a tourist trap because they're, you know, what, beautiful, located on the ocean, small, rich town. So maybe they're beautiful beach country. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, It's a beautiful place. I don't know. I mean, I think certainly uh, the Gulf Breeze UFO conferences were big for a while. And uh, I don't know. I think I think that that area down there and I'm speaking completely out of school. This is only kind of what I've gathered just by talking to different people is that there was a decided split in that whole community of ufologically minded people. And, um, and that split was, um, I, I assume at times rather nasty and, and venomous. And so there became two factions of UFO minded people down in Gulf breeze. And that just, that, that, I think that was the beginning of just kind of the downward slope slide of interest. You know, you're you're just going to get tired of dealing with the bullshit and walk away, uh, especially when the phenomena is not presenting itself uh, as, as it used to. Hmm. So, Jeremy, uh, you're always uh, kind of asking me questions about this or that, so I have one for you. Uh oh. Uh, as someone who's uh, worked in the entertainment field, I want you to tell me how you feel about uh, Billy Ray Cyrus and his son uh, hosting a, uh, a UFO and general paranormal investigation show. Don't tell my heart, my eggy braggy heart. Um, I think it. You know what makes me sad about this is actually um, when we were originally talking about slapping together a TV show, and I brought it to a friend of ours, Brent Hoff, uh-huh. a friend of the show, as I like to say. Um, who has uh, an in with people at uh, 20th Century Fox, and he was feeling out the production there, and they were saying basically, no point. Paranormal shows are on their way out. Uh, there's a glut of them, so don't even bother pitching it. Right. And now we just keep seeing new paranormal shows coming up and coming up, and it seems to be that they're trending toward celebrities and so is this going to be the new thing is this going to be the new d-list celebrity reality show where you know you slap a bunch of gary coleman's of the day sorry gary or maybe <laughs> oh I, I don't know uh what one of the hansen brothers you, you get a couple of them guys and the billy ray cyrus kids and and get them on a ouija board to contact gary coleman i mean is this the new thing that's going to be happening now and this is going to replace even the research shows such as they are yeah on this stuff i i mean i just think it's a bad indicator is what it is i mean i I would rather there not be any paranormal shows than just you know billy ray cyrus's kid out there with a helmet cam (laughs) well i think as anyone who follows our uh, our twitter feed i've been trying to get chris williams from ghost hunters to come on the show to no avail and um, I don't think I'm going to try anymore for the simple fact that, uh, you know, you mentioned such as they are, these investigative shows. Uh, what was it? Last week, Ghost Hunters special team assembled for an investigation included. That's right, folks. The Housewives of Orange County. So Jesus. I'm sorry. What? <laughs> uh 
I don't know. It just gets more and more ridiculous. And I think eventually this thing is going to, well, it is going to implode on itself. But I think uh, I don't. I don't necessarily think this is going to be a bad thing because I think eventually once the, um, I mean, it was great to have the public attention on this for a while in the media in a in an interesting way. It got a lot of people involved or or interested. Um, the problem is, is like I've said before, is like all of these shows have painted a very unrealistic picture of what people can expect from any number of investigative things that you might do in this. And so that's turned a lot of people off. And now with this, uh, with this Cyrus thing, I mean, I personally think it's, it's the whole paranormal topic is, is set to degenerate into a joke. Oh, and, yeah. I mean, it's only a matter of time before the real world is just taking place in a haunted house. Right. You know, and then right. you've got like your Jersey Shore type personas arguing with ghosts as they braid their hair and, you know, get ready to go party or whatever. And it's like, this is where this is going. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So I, I think it is on its way out, to be honest with you. I mean, it's, uh, <clears throat> I think at least with Cyrus, I think they're, they're just capitalizing on, uh, Hannah Montana, right? I mean, that's that's. Uh, otherwise, would you know who Billy Ray Cyrus is anymore? I don't really think you would. Don't break so. my heart, my achy brain. Oh, they know. So I told them. Anyway, yeah. Well, and, and thanks for that. So anyway, uh, I mean, aside from that, you think all this stuff's on its way out? You think we have to endure a whole lot more of it? No, I think it. I think it's on its way out. But like I said, I think it's taking a turn for the worst. Who knows how long that will last? Beforehand. I mean, I think, yeah, I right. think on its way out, you know, the next wave is going to be a resurgence of it just purely as crap entertainment in a way for, like I said, reality B-list stars to, uh, I don't know, try to rekindle their career or something. Um, I mean, that that just makes right. sense. It seems like the natural progression. It's like the final frontier for these crappy reality shows uh, with these crappy stars, yeah. right? I mean, they've done Celebrity Rehab. <laughs> yes. They've done the Sex Addict show. I mean, you know, what's left? It's like, put them in a haunted house. <laughs> Give them a flashlight and put them in a field of career, you know? Yeah. Do, do you think there's any hope for, uh, and, you, and you having been, you know, in, in entertainment? Yeah. I mean, do you, do you see that there's any hope at all for a truly serious-minded, interesting, paranormal show to be at? you know, on TV aired as a regular show. Well, it's, first of all, it's up to people to have a backlash against this stuff. And then it's up for producers to perceive that. I mean, it's all about market. Mm. If they think that there's a market for smart stuff, then they'll buy it. Um, What creates a market for smart stuff better than completely dumbing it down to where people are just fed up with everything they're seeing and, and want it off. You know, I mean, I think, I think it could backfire in our favor to, you know, to that extent, then you got to ask, okay, so what would they replace it with? Would it be like, would the quote unquote smart thing be like, you were, you were talking about this, uh, uh, ancient astronaut show you saw, which was like with, who, who was it? Like Giorgio Sukalos and Bill Burns and, uh, was right. Dolan on that too? I don't remember, but just, you know, I mean, I don't people, think he was on that one. No. I mean, are you asking, are they going to really have people like us on there? <laughs> I don't know. No. I mean, I, I don't think they're at that point yet, you know? I mean, this is what we're dealing with. At the Exeter thing, Stanton Friedman, his whole speech was about where science went wrong, right? That's his book, Where Science Went Wrong. So 
Okay. It was all about scientists who thought they knew everything about a certain subject and they were wrong. And so they've got to step outside their box. But as we all know, or at least anyone who listens to this show knows, Stanton Friedman is the exact example of someone trapped inside of his box. It's as if he stepped outside the box of the mainstream to believe in UFOs and aliens, and that was enough for him. Uh, and he created right. his own box in there and said, I know what this is. And so part of the reason he hasn't had to change his tune in all the years that he's been in this is because the opposition hasn't changed, right? So the skeptics will say none of it's true, and then he'll say you guys are stuck in your own box, you don't understand that, you know, you can be wrong, and that's the back and forth that happens. What should happen is that someone like us comes along and says, no, you're right, there is something to all of this, we know that, we just don't know what it is, so let's explore it. Uh, and I think that right. would upset Friedman because then he'd be like, well, we know what it is. We just, you know, we've got all these documents the government knows or, you know, whatever. It's aliens. You know, that's going to be the answer. And and so that becomes the new push-pull. Is it aliens or is it something else with the acknowledgement that it is something uh, unexplainable um, or unexplained? Yeah. Um, so I, all of this is the long-winded way of saying I think you can't go from zero to 60 in four seconds with this. You can't go from crap celeb reality <laughs> right into like smart, truly outside of the box thinking. I think you have to bring it right back to unfortunately a Stanton Friedman type thing because that whole dialogue dynamic hasn't changed. The skeptical stance hasn't changed. And so there's no need for the opposite view to change. I think we're still permanent yeah. yeah, or evolve. I mean, I think we're permanently stuck there, you know, mm. did that make any sense? I hope that made sense. Yeah, 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 it does. I mean, I, I think, you know, at least from my standpoint, I mean, I've been watching uh, Morgan Freeman's show, the the wormhole thing. And, I mean, there's a show right there that is, granted, it's on the Science Channel. Uh, and so anybody tuning in there is looking for something educational. Uh, but that's a hugely entertaining show and really thought-provoking. And, and, again, granted, they're talking to scientists and not ufologists. But they've touched upon uh, extraterrestrial life and the nature of a is there a creator type of question. You know, big, big questions, deep questions. And I just watched that last night. You know, is there a creator? And they went around to people like Dr. Persinger and uh, um, uh, an endless physicist who are trying to come up with the equation that uh, basically joins the universe together and uh, – uh, looks past the big bang like what if we were wrong about the big bang and what if th this is this is something else and 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 they they spoke to both sides of an issue that that's decidedly controversial that is you know either it's uh designed by a designer or it's uh one big uh organized group of chaotic molecules uh i mean it went from one side to the other and it did it really well it didn't favor either side uh, and I look at that and I go, now why can't somebody make a paranormal show that that establishes a, a sense of ground in it, uh, that that establishes baseline rules like this is what we're going to accept as some sort of evidential experience or, uh, or or physical evidence of some type, and this is what we throw away. Um, I mean, again, doesn't it seem to be what like what we said about ufology? It's like it's largely in the garbage can like paranormal TV is largely in the garbage can right now. And so is it possible to take ufology 
and redefine it, reestablish protocols to a certain degree as, as much as you can with this phenomenon, which is admittedly hard to do. And then can you gather like-minded, open-ended people who don't particularly have a preconceived notion of something, they just don't know what it is and they would like to know more, and then eventually that rolls into becoming the field. In other words, you leave the fringe behind. You leave the exopause behind. You I leave, hope so. I know. mean, I, I think you could probably pull that off in another country that already takes this stuff seriously. Yeah. But I think, um, and especially one in which television isn't completely dominated by advertisement dollars and all of that. Right. Um, you know, basically for that to work here, the reason it works for science is they have proof that there is a large audience or at least you're always going to have a core bunch of people who are going to want a serious inquiry into physics and things like that or mm -hmm. those larger questions and and of course this country is just fascinated i guess for lack of a better term uh with religion and science together you know we, we just love to push and pull on on those issues and see them together and try to rectify them and all that there's no evidence that, that people want that as far as UFOs and ghosts and things like that go. I think they would need to see that there's a market for it. Hmm. And I don't know how you go about doing that unless people get really sick of the reality stuff that's out there now and, and coming up and, and, and stop tuning in. And then write to your TV station, call them. You know, this is how, I mean, you don't understand, like small minority groups of pissed off people can sway the entire thing that you watch, you know? Oh like, yeah. Like anytime these you know, little groups of pissed off concerned Catholics complain about uh, certain issues that you know, they find offensive. I mean, you know, the channel will censor it or they'll do a, an issues show on it. I mean, if people made it a write in issue like that, even a small group of vocal people, it would become an issue. The other way to do it is Leslie Kane. You know, she seems to be making some headway here. Uh, whatever your take is on her take on this stuff, you can't deny that uh, people are paying attention. I mean, the Huffington Post is sure. letting her write articles. MSNBC has let her write articles. She's been on, you know, Comedy Central. And it doesn't seem to be letting up anytime soon. It's a number one bestseller, her book. So New York Times bestseller. Um, actually, I shouldn't say number one. I don't know if it's number one. But it is a New York Times bestseller. So... You know, is is that going to show people, look, it's it's okay to talk about this stuff in a calm, rational, non-smirk way? I, yeah, it seems to be doing that. You know, she was certainly allowed to write a rebuttal piece to Jim Oberg on MSNBC. Jim Oberg is NBC's uh, resident skeptic. <laughs> well, he's a NASA engineer, yeah. yeah. Well, but he also is NBC's guy, their go-to yes. guy, and so... She wrote a rebuttal article to his stuff and really called him on the floor. So, and they didn't wink nudge it with the title of the article or anything like that. You know, they just let her say her piece. So, it's certainly that it looks as though the tide has turned in that sense, where even the media is open to not smirking anymore. Um, who knows? Maybe that there will be a sort of butterfly flapping its wings effect there with that book. Hmm. But why not do both? Like, why wait for any one thing? You know, if people really want something better on their TVs, uh, then don't just tune out, but write in because that's where your voice is heard. And yeah, yeah. Take, well, it from, I, take it from me. If 200 people wrote in, something would change like just that small amount of people. Really? Yeah. Huh? Well, there you go. Paratopia. The thousands of you that there are. 
<laughs> Do something. <laughs> Don't make us suffer, Billy Ray Cyrus and his kid. Don't. As certainly as far as a weekly show goes, I think that it is increasingly difficult to try and fit a erratic, slippery phenomena into a weekly time slot, number one, and have it be productive. Unless you're going to rehash the old cases, and who needs that, right? Do we need another special on Roswell? Do we need to see one more episode of somebody investigating Bentwater's Woodbridge? Does that all need to be done again and again and again? I think by far that the one-off specials have done more in that notion, like Larry King Live at Area 51, um, and Larry's done a lot of stuff with UFOs. Uh, you know, you had uh, I Know What I Saw, right? Uh, what's his name? Uh, James Fox uh, does does one every now and then for, for TV. Uh, those seem to have a lot bigger a stir and an impact than do the weekly shows. Agree? Yeah. Although I think that there's a way to do a weekly show Almost like a destination truth, except you have a panel of people. It would be like destination truth meets one of those types of specials, yeah. you know, where where you you have the, the the footage on site, but you've also got a philosopher talking about meaning from his angle or her angle. You've also got the resident folklorist saying what the area, you know, what do the people say about this area? What is the lore behind it? You know, all of right. that sort of like multidisciplinary stuff. Uh, to tackle an expedition, right? Um, I think would be interesting. But I also think that you could do a weekly show in ter- even in terms of like, yes, rehash Rendlesham one more time. I mean, you don't have to do these each week, but if you have, say, one week is Rendlesham, one week is an on-site expedition, a ghost hunt or something, one week is a roundtable discussion, one week is an interview. I mean, why can't it be a variety of of formats in one show, you know? Right. Um. Again, it, it comes down to maybe these ideas are too ambitious because they're not proven to have a market. And what is proven is mediocre shit that sells advertising because people will just plunk down in front of it and go, <laughs> because they don't want to think. You know, nobody wants to think. They want to sit down and go, right, and eat chips. You know, I mean, that's part of the problem, isn't it? In closing, do we want to inform these people of the new direction of the show that we've been teasing about the past couple of weeks? Nope. Good night, everybody. Jeremy, I got a question for you. I wasn't recording. Sorry, oh, for fuck's sake. Oh, stop it. <laughs> I'm not your enemy. <laughs> <laughs>